This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. We'll have two hours of advanced analysis, the X's and O's, headlines around the NBA, and breakdown of your Utah Jazz. Here are your hosts, Zach Harper and Andy Larson, on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson, the superstar, do-it-all-everything of Salt City Hoops. And Salt City Hoops is the... What's the affiliation, Andy? The ESPN the True, Hoop Hoop affiliate affiliate. of the Utah Jazz. Yeah. Now is ESPN True Hoop a thing anymore? Not really, because Henry Abbott got let go in the great ESPN NBA purge. But we still call ourselves that, and well, yeah, rightfully so. Do you say you work with Woj now? I mean, do you say uh, like yeah. you are co-workers, co-workers with Adrian Wojnarowski? Yeah, you know how it is. Find him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. You can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. I'm Ben Anderson. By the way, we do have a big show for you today. We'd love to hear from you. Again, tweet at us at Andy B. Larson and at Ben's Hoops. You can also give us a call. You have questions about the Jazz. You want to talk about the NBA? We'd love to hear from you. 877-353-0700. 877-353-0700. Uh, you wrote an article that got a lot of run. Uh, about Ricky Rubio and whether or not he can regain form yeah. with the Jazz and what to expect. I wrote an article about uh, the Jazz needing a scorer, and I promise you this was not... It seems like the most clickbaity article It seems on super Earth. clickbaity. I was very disappointed in you when I saw the headline. But when you start kind of shaving it down, and that's exactly how I got to this process of who could the Jazz realistically target that comes in and replaces a 20-point-per-game score? Because have the Jazz ever signed a player that scored 20 points per game the previous season? I mean, if they have, it wouldn't be since the mid-'80s. What did Carlos Boozer average? Oh, he was like mean, 11 right? 12 I, points a game. Right. He was I, pretty low. He was, and because he was coming off it was it his sophomore season in, in sophomore Cleveland. Season. Yeah, yeah, and he, he was a 15.5 points a game. Which is very good. Uh, what, what was Okur? Okur was probably around 10, was, yeah, but certainly was not 20. Um, and I'm trying to think of other guys. The Jazz, I mean, it really would have had to go back to – did Memo Jazz, was 9.6. Did the Jazz all? trade for Gail Goodrich? Or how did, I think they did. I mean, he was a good uh, scorer at one point in his he life. Was, wasn't he a free agent signing, but back then you had to give trade compensation, sure. a draft pick compensation for signing up someone's Magic free Johnson. agents? And yeah. So that's that wasn't a great trade in NBA, or I guess in Jazz history. For the NBA, it's probably better because you know Magic Johnson ends up on the Lakers and whatever else. But uh, Regardless, I don't believe the Jazz ever <laughs> signed a player, or at least not in kind of modern NBA history, signed a player uh, who ended up being a 20-point, or who was previously a 20-point-per-game scorer the previous season. And yeah. they've gone out and added guys like Danny Manning late in his career. I don't know if Danny even got above 20, but they've added some of those guys late in their careers. Uh, Tom Gugliotta traded for him one sure. time. <laughs> and and uh, I was thinking... Do the Jazz have an ability to sign one of these guys and kind of break history? And you look at the 20-point-per-game scores from the NBA last year, and there were 33 of them. Uh, I think you need those guys to win, and there's not they just don't become available that often. And when they do, they don't sign with the Jazz. So what does it say that the Jazz have become a successful team? You know, relatively so. And I would say, you know, obviously you look at the six years or whatever, the five years before this one, and say, well, you didn't make the playoffs. How successful were you? But, you know, I think that as, as a franchise, you can say, Jazz are one of the top one or two teams to have never won a championship. You know, in terms of Probably, win percentage yeah. and everything else, yeah. this has been a, a good franchise. So that they haven't gone out and signed that twenty-point score shows that they've done it in other ways, whether that be draft or trade. You know, whether you know Jeff Hornacek, whatever that right. looks like. Um, Jabari Parker was barely a twenty-point scorer he's, last year, right? He's, he's the worst twenty-point per game scorer in the NBA, which is like that's a great 
crown to wear. If you score 20 points per game in the league, you're really good. Generally, you're a really good player. Yes, he was the he was number 33 of 33. And now he'll be coming off an ACL tear. Yep. Uh, but a uh, second ACL tear, but still talented player. Let me ask you, do you think Jabari Parker, how good do you think he really is? It's hard to tell. It's really hard to tell because he's played, what, 100 games, and 75 of those have been rehab assignments, basically, in the NBA. And the other ones were him trying to get acclimated to the NBA when he actually wasn't very good his rookie season. Uh, He wasn't very good until last year. That's what might be a little bit intimidating is he hadn't shot the three ball well, and if he doesn't shoot the three and he's trying to be kind of this face-up mid-range jump shooter, he's really not super valuable. But if he starts shooting at 36%, like he did from three last year, and has that big body that should continue to, hopefully, if he can get it healthy and stay healthy, uh, should continue to fill out. He should have a very good stretch four body for the rest of his NBA career. And he's enormously skilled with the ball in his hands. That's a guy who can have some value. And where his weakness is, defensively, where he's got some issues, a lot of that can hopefully be covered up by what Rudy Gobert does and who you put next to him at the three. Yeah, he's certainly a stretch power forward, right? Yeah. I mean, or maybe not even stretch given the, the shooting woes, except for last season where he right. shot 36%. Right. Um, and, you know, if he continues to develop that part of that game, it makes sense. You know, we, we've talked a little bit about Tobias Harris yeah. um, from the Detroit Pistons being maybe an option at, at that stretch four spot. Um, it, it, Jabari Parker's kind of in that same realm, except he's a lot younger. And, and honestly, uh, you, may, you may have more of an opportunity to acquire him, given that he will be a free agent this next offseason. Yeah. And, and that was the other thing we were looking at is, is coming up this next offseason. What do they do? Because I was thinking... Would there be any realm of possibility? And this is actually how I got onto the conversation of Jabari Parker. Was thinking, I was waiting on Minnesota to mm-hmm. finally give Andrew Wiggins this hundred and fifty million dollar deal or whatever they can offer him, which is kind of a lot for Andrew Wiggins. He's yeah. good. He's young. He's not amazingly efficient. He's in that twenty point per game scorer category. But in all likelihood, he's the third best player on that on that uh, Wolves team now with Jimmy Butler yeah. and Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, that's a lot of money to give that guy. Yeah, and I I don't know that I'd rather have Andrew Wiggins than you know a whole bunch of guys that don't score twenty points. A Correct. Game. You know, like I'd right. rather have pulling a name out of hat Nikola Jokic. Oh yeah, for a, sure. A lot more than yeah, Andrew Wiggins. Sure. You know. Yeah. Um. So I I do think we have to like look at okay, are these twenty point a game scorers really helping you? Because I I get that the Jazz need that quote unquote go to guy. I don't know if I want the ball in in Andrew Wiggins or Jabari Parker's or Tobias Harris's hands. You know, whatever that looks like. Instead, I, I, I think you probably want to play a team game at the end of the games, and, and maybe that works, maybe that doesn't. Okay, well, let's go over this. I think okay. a lot of fans are going to be wondering, who are the names we're talking about? Who, yeah. who scores 20 points per game? And, and again, I know Quinn Snyder talked about this. We have this thing with round numbers that if they end in <laughs> zeros, yeah. we like them for some reason. This is not, though, a bad list of players. I'm just going to go very quickly over the guys who score 20 a game. Who would you not want on your team? Westbrook, Harden. Isaiah Thomas. Maybe that's a question if you're going to pay him $200 million a year. Yeah. Otherwise, you want him on your team. Sure. Anthony Davis. DeMar DeRozan. Damian Lillard. Yeah. DeMar DeRozan's okay. Is a, right. is a little bit of a kind of a sketchy player. He's certainly gotten better the last couple of years. Yeah. Damian Lillard, you want. DeMarcus Cousins, not because Maybe. of his talent, you don't want him on your team. Okay, He's but just a head case. We're now in like four of the top 10 scorers in the NBA where I was just like, eh, I mean, sure, you want him, but like, I don't know if you add. Okay, how much better is to say DeMar DeRozan, last year's fifth leading scorer in the NBA, make the Jazz? It's hard to say next year because we don't know what this offense looks right, like right. without him. Uh, that's a guy the Jazz would certainly take. Sure. If you could get that sure. scoring load, I mean, you're way more comfortable with who scores next year on the Jazz. Uh, LeBron, Kawhi, Steph, LeBron. 
Kyrie. You want Kyrie. Carl Anthony Towns, Durant, Jimmy Butler, Paul George. Wiggins is questionable. Kemba Walker. I mean, the Jazz would certainly take a point guard who could score like that, though he's not you know, a superstar point guard that you're going to necessarily win championships with. John Wall you want. Bradley Beal you want. C.J. McCollum you want. Giannis. Carmelo is kind of questionable late yeah. in his career now. But Kyle Lowry, Clay Thompson, Devin Booker is young, but I still think you like his young talent. Hayward, Blake Griffin, Eric Bledsoe, a little sketchy there. Brooke Lopez, a little sketchy there. Mike Conley, you want if he can stay healthy. Goran Dragic, everyone seems to love him around the NBA. Joel Embiid and Jabari Parker. I mean, of those 33 guys, there might be five that are legitimately questionable. Five. Otherwise, I think you really want those guys. Yeah, uh, okay. Yeah. sure. And you, if they were restricted free agents, you would give them a max contract to be on your team. I, n- I don't know that I go that far. You know, like, I, I say, you know, for DeMar DeRozan, for example, you have to pay him the 10-year max and pay him 30, 35% of your cap. No, I, I'm totally with you. I, I don't know that I'm you saying that. 28 of those 33 guys, okay. you give the max contract okay. to. That's a huge percentage. That's a really nice number. I mean, that's, what, five-sevenths of those guys or whatever. The, right. So it's, it's a lot. Generally, that round number correlates with the player you want to have on your team, and I would say Jabari Parker is a guy you want to have on your team, and considering the Jazz don't get opportunities to sign those guys ever, I mean, who of those guys could realistically end up as a Jazz man as a free agent signing? Maybe Eric Bledsoe, maybe yeah. Brooke Lopez, though obviously it doesn't make any sense when you've got a guy like Rudy <laughs> right. Gobert. Maybe DeMar DeRozan, you know, if he were ever to become available. That's a guy who would consider signing with a smaller team because he's played in Toronto his whole life. But uh, those guys just don't become available to the Jazz. Yeah. That's why I'm looking at a guy like Jabari Parker and saying, okay, there's actually kind of a lot of things off the court that fit, and it's not just because he's LDS, but you can't overlook that. Yeah, I mean, I guess there are two guys in that list that actually have had their names tied to the Jazz in, in rumors and ever, whatever yeah. else, and that's Kyrie Irving and Kyle Lowry. I'd also throw um, Dame in there. Damian and, Lillard said he would play for the Jazz. Sure, okay. So that's that's three. Um, but yeah, you're right, it, and teams don't usually let those guys go unless there's a really good reason. Obviously, I guess Gordon Hayward's in that la- list, but I did not sign with the Jazz. Sure. So, yeah, you, you know, you don't have this opportunity very often. And what I would also say is actually what this what this Jabari Parker situation, if the Jazz could somehow get to the point, we'll talk about how you actually get to the point where you're talking to him, what it reminds me of is kind of similar to how the Jazz did sign Carlos Boozer. It's not like Carlos Boozer was a free agent with 30 teams coming after him and the Jazz won. No, I mean, the Jazz were totally underhanded. Boozer was totally underhanded. They yeah. lied to the Cavs owner and went and got a bunch of money behind his back. When he said, yeah, I'll take the qualifying offer, and then we'll talk next year, and he didn't. So you don't think that they went out to Carlos Boozer's agent and go out to the 28 other NBA teams there and say, Oh, hey, I'm sure he okay. did, but no one at that point had money. I mean, the Jazz that year right. had reserved their cap space to sign two max free agents right. to get Oker and to get Boozer. I mean, that was the design for several years post stock. They struck alone. out the year before with right. uh, uh, Jason Terry and uh, Corey McGetty. Corey McGetty, yeah. But anyway, so they ended up having that money left over and it probably ended up working better getting those two players that they did have. So the way you end up getting a guy in Jabari Parker, if Jabari Parker had played 75% of his games at this point in his career, he's already signed a max deal. At least he, Hmm. at least Milwaukee is in that conversation and they're very happily getting close to the point where they're going to give him four years and a hundred million dollars. They're in that conversation. But again, if, if Minnesota's not giving, not super excited about giving the max to Andrew Wiggins, I don't know why Milwaukee's all of a sudden excited about giving a max to Jabari Parker, who I think has been a, a worse player when healthy than Andrew Wiggins. Okay. I think that's fair. But I do think these guys that are scoring 20 points a game, if he had scored 20 points a game 
for a full year here in Milwaukee and shot 36% from the three-point line, they would know that it might be better to try and sign him now than wait to see what he gets as a restricted free agent, though obviously they can do that and just match whatever. Sure. I mean, I, I would say the same thing about Wiggins then applies because he shot right. 35.6% right. from three and you know scored 23 points a game. But it does sound like the Wolves are going to sign Andrew yeah. Wiggins in, in the next week or so. Yeah, and and if that happens, it's it's a, if it, it's a different story. So okay, so who you know we, you kind of look at this free agent list and it's it's Jabari Parker, uh, and you've got guys at the top like LeBron James, Kevin yeah. Durant, Paul George, guys who aren't going to sign Russell Westbrook's Correct. free agent. Right. You know those sorts of players. Uh, Demarcus Cousins, you already have a center. Do you go after Chris Paul? I mean, is that a th- or do you think yeah, you have you any do. chance of getting? You don't him? have any chance of getting okay. him. Uh, Avery Bradley, a free agent. Maybe Detroit doesn't want him, doesn't want to re-sign him. Sure. He's going to cost a decent amount of money. Sure. I don't know if he's going to cost $20 million a year, but he's going to cost a decent amount of money. Uh, do you stay as far away f- as you can from LaMarcus Aldridge? No, I don't hate LaMarcus Aldridge. There's obviously some questions there, but if you can get him for a good deal, that's the type of player the Jazz have to take a, a chance on to get more talented. Cool. I mean, the Jazz have to take chances on guys. That's yeah. what I'm saying. The same way they kind of had to take a chance on Carlos Boozer. They had to find this weird hole where Carlos Boozer fell into their lap where other teams couldn't sign him. And that's the nice thing now with Jabari Parker. You have to find this weird, not loophole, but kind of a hole to sign this guy. Mm -hmm. And the way you do that is he's too injured to sign in Milwaukee, who just happens to have two guys who play a similar position, and Chris Middleton, he's a wing, whatever, uh, and Giannis, who really does play one through four, which is something Jabari's going to be able to do in his career as well. He's going to be able to be a good ball handler. You can probably line him up offensively wherever you you want to. have him defend point guards. No, no. But, but you can line him up offensively and surround him with guys however you want, and I think you can find success that way because he's he's an offensive dynamo. I know he hasn't shot the three well yet in his career. I would imagine with the jump he made last year, he's shown an ability to do it, and he was a pretty good three-point shooter when he was at Duke, yeah. though I know he just hasn't taken that extra step. When he gets injured and Milwaukee can't pay him or won't pay him because they're already in salary cap hell, and they're going to need that extra money to surround Giannis with players that are specific to fit around Giannis Antetokounmpo, there's now all of a sudden this weird gap where the Jazz have a realistic shot, at least a, a realistic reason to knock on this guy's door to talk to him because he's played with Rodney Hood when he was at Duke, because he's LDS, because the Jazz can offer him a max or near-max contract, because he should know members of the Jazz front office now with Justin Zanuck, who is just working in Milwaukee. I mean, there are there is enough there. And, and apparently the Jazz have been interested in him since he was at Duke. Yeah. So th- there are enough elements there that are kind of outside things that I think it could make sense that the Jazz could get a realistic shot of signing him, and the Jazz don't get shots of signing guys like that very often, and when they do, I think they need to pull the trigger. Yeah, I, I almost think that you would want to... I, I, I totally get that point, and, and I think it makes sense. I almost think that you want to save that that slot, if you will, that amount of money, because like you say, it will take you know $20 million or yep. more for the next four seasons if assuming the ACL recovery goes relatively well, and if it doesn't, you don't really want to have that conversation anyway. Correct. Uh, but you you look at the contracts that the Jazz have signed, and it, it's Rudy Gobert uh, long-term. You've got Joe Ingles at $13 million. A year. You've got Ricky Rubio for 14 uh, And then you've got to figure out what you're going to... Do you want, I guess, Jabari Parker to be your number two salary guy for the next two to three seasons? Because uh, uh, then you don't have any free agent money to give to anybody else. Or you don't have that slot to give to anybody else unless you're able to find a way to dump, say, Alec Burks, you know. And and heck, maybe with one year left on his deal, that becomes easier. Maybe it becomes easier. Uh, I think you do because I think you've got to go for a bird in the hand if yeah, you can get a guy. Right. And actually, what we've seen this year is restricted free agency actually ends up 
kind of being difficult to work out. There are guys who are restricted free agents who aren't getting any money right now on the free agent market. I mean, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, as good as he is, he's not great, but he's good. I mean, I'd rather have Jabari Parker than Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Yeah. Maybe you can argue with that. He couldn't figure out a deal to the point where they rescinded their rights to him as a restricted free agent, did Detroit. Yeah. Uh, Nerlens Noel still has not signed a contract. He's a restricted free agent. Dallas is going to have to give him money at some point, I think. But but they don't want to spend any money, and he doesn't want to sign for the little money that they're that, that Dallas is offering. Right. So who knows how much money he gets? Yeah, I, I think that there's a real trend that way. And you look at who has salary cap money next year, and there aren't a lot of teams. I mean, it's really going to be five, six, seven teams sure. that can open that up. Now the Jazz kind of get to choose if if Tabo Selfalosha and Ekpe Udo and and Jonas Drebko turn out to be guys that you want to have around for a long time, then you can just kind of re-up their team options. It's it's not a team option; they're just non-guaranteed. But you don't you don't waive them. And then you you keep them going and and you know I I may rather have the the value that those three guys bring you to a roster than what Jabari Parker brings even even though sure. he would be probably the best scorer on the Jazz right and I think that's what at some point you have to have that conversation I throw out Jabari Parker's name but you could go a different direction who gets more money Jabari Parker or Avery Bradley I would think oh, that's a good question Jabari Parker's so much younger so much younger but Avery and Bradley way more skilled yeah. But Avery Bradley is it may be the best defensive guard in the league. Is that fair? He's I mean, in the conversation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we we talk about defensive players as mostly being forwards and centers, but really, he's he may be yeah. the best defensive guard in the league. I, I think he gets paid. I, I mean, th- these are the questions the Jazz have to ans- right. ask themselves now. And you should have a good defense with the guys you have on this roster. I mean, Rubio is going to be a defensive dynamo, at least be pretty good, you know, above average. Donovan Mitchell looks like he's going to have it. You know, you've got maybe the best defensive player in the NBA and the best anchor, certainly, for a defense in the NBA and Rudy Gobert. Do you at some point decide, hey, you want to shift some of your money to the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, probably. I mean, maybe it's it's so long as you think that Jabari can fit into your defensive scheme, then sure. And I think, you know, there's a real case for that. I would be most worried about the spacing, right? If if you can, if he does have that three-point jumper really working long-term, or is he going to be a 36% player that teams do or don't really respect from that right. far out? You know, he, he didn't shoot that many threes. We do have a question from Adrian Milner at ADGI Mall. Seems like the loss of Paul Millsap was bigger than the loss for, of Gordon Hayward. Why is this never discussed? It's an interesting thing. First of all, I think we talk about Paul Millsap a lot. Um, he's a, what, three or four-time All-Star now in the Eastern Conference. Um, do you agree with that, that the loss of Paul Millsap will be, was bigger than the loss of Gordon Hayward will be? No. <laughs> Not to like, give you a bit, yeah. but the Jazz had Ennis Cantor and Derek Favor. I mean, there was a reason they let those guys go. Now, in hindsight, it looks really bad because he went on to make four All-Star games and he signed another max contract this offseason. Somewhat max contract, kind of a weird deal. He signed with Denver, but... Uh, you, you had players that needed that time to develop. Now, in hindsight, was it the right move? Probably not. Paul Millsap's better than both Derek Favors and Ennis Cantor, yeah. obviously. But you needed to let those guys have a chance. And I think the Jazz made the right move in letting those guys have a chance. And I'll say this. The Jazz tried to re-sign Paul Millsap. They really did. And and Paul Millsap put, saw the writing on the wall that this was going to be a rebuilding team yeah. for that duration of his contract. And so he wanted to go east, obviously closer to home in, in Atlanta and and play there on what was a rebuilding and good team that also offered him a whole lot of money. whole lot of money. And better opportunity. Actually, no, you're right. The Paul Millsap contract, his first Atlanta contract was short. It was that two-year, $22 million oh. deal. Okay. But, 
Uh, but they gave him a better wanted, opportunity. He wanted, yeah, he it gave him a better opportunity, and he was betting on himself again, being on a good team and and, and being able right. to make an All Star right, roster, right, which he never would have been able to do in the no. West. Now he's not in the conversation for the Hall of Fame. He's not that type of player, no. but he will be remembered as a very good player throughout this decade, and he would have always been an underrated player, overlooked player who played with the Jazz his whole life, and I think going and playing in Atlanta ended up being the really smart thing. And yeah. now he's trying to get paid, and good for him. He's working. He's got as good a story as anyone in the league as far as guys who have improved their game since they've been in the NBA and have really turned themselves into players who were not what they were projected to be at all when he was coming out of Louisiana Tech. Yeah. I mean, he was not supposed to be a guy who shot threes. <laughs> he was just going to be a rebound. I mean, he was Reggie Evans, I think right. was a lot of people thought. And he ended up being an offensive, not wizard, but a very good offensive player, efficiency, solid defensive player, a lot of steals, good three-point shooter, at least for a couple of seasons there, and a guy you can not build around but win with. I do think that like the league has showed us that if you have an all-time great college rebounder and it's avail- he's available in the second round, you should draft him. Yeah. And it, you know he may not be a superstar. He may be like Kenneth Freed, right? Worst case, but- Kenneth Freed. And even then, that's a really good first-round draft pick. I mean, if you were to go back to the year that he got picked, he'd still probably go five slots away, uh, above where he was picked, and he was a first-round guy. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, right. And, and that's why you do say that that's the one skill that translates – most readily is that 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 rebounding in college going to the NBA is good and it actually kind of shows maybe more than that maybe a better instinct for the game uh that's kind of innate and natural that allows them to do some other things because Fareed's a better offensive player than I think people thought at least was early in his career I know he's really fallen off he's too small right uh but Millsap found a way to really be a good offensive player yeah he's, he's more versatile uh I, I think going back to the free agency conversation real quick um I, I'm really impressed that these three contracts were team options on the second year or were non-guaranteed on yeah. the second year. At least that, that's the report Th- that, that came allows, out this week. Yeah, yeah, and, and that allows the Jazz to have this conversation. And of, those three contracts are Ekbe Udo, Tavo Cephalosha, and Jonas Drebko. Yes, and they're all uh, they're all non-guaranteed. as the, the first, the July 1st is Tavo Cephalosha's guaranteed date. July 9th is Jonas Drebko's and Ekbe Udo's guaranteed date. Uh, so the Jazz can kind of make a decision based on who they think they can sign him free agency. And, you know, if Jabari Parker has a great season and uh, Milwaukee's definitely going to re-sign him and, and, you know, it doesn't look like this free agent class is going to bring any fruit for the Jazz, then you don't have to kind of, you don't have to open up that space. You can keep those guys if you right. want to or, or use them in some other way. Uh, or if you, you think you can get a guy and use something with that space, either in, in a trade or in free agency, then you have that opportunity to do so by waiving them. But look at how much expiring money the Jazz have this year. Not that expiring contracts are as big as they used to be, but you saw teams this year sending draft picks to get rid of big contracts. You saw it with Damari Carroll. You've seen it a couple of places. Derek Favors is $12 million. Joe Johnson is $10 million. Both of those guys, if they're healthy this year, certainly Favors uh, could use that health. But Joe Johnson proved it last season. You can win with those guys in the playoffs. The Jazz yeah. won with the Clippers. Uh, Jazz beat the Clippers because Derek Favors got healthier yeah. in the postseason a little bit and helped them when uh, Rudy Gobert went down. I mean, those two guys alone is $22 million. You throw in Tabo, you're up to $27 million. You could throw in Dante Exum if you wanted to. You're at $32 million. Jonas Jerebko takes you up to... 36. 36 million. And it just keeps climbing. Yeah. Ekbeudo gets you to 37. Uh, Rodney Hood, I mean, you're not going to trade his $2.3 million. He's way more valuable. For, right. <laughs> yeah. As an expiring but, I mean, contract. You've but you've got $36 million. And what I like about him is you've got, what, a $12 million deal, a $10 million deal, a $5 million. Mm-hmm. You can mix and match these to take back the exact perfect amount of salary you want to if you can find a player that can help you long term. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen in the NBA over the last two months, even just in, in this offseason, Teams are really interested in in 
how these situations change so quickly that there are real opportunities to acquire good to great players just by kind of having the right assets at the right time. I think Joe Johnson... Look, I don't think it matters if the Jazz make the playoffs next year. I'll just put... I, I don't mm. think it matters at all. Uh, I think you want to be competitive and be good, but you're still going to want to develop Donovan Mitchell. I think you still want to see what you have in Dante Exum and see if that guy can play. You want to see if Rodney Hood can be a go-to scorer. I think there's some things where the Jazz are just going to need to run out some players and let them play minutes that they wouldn't have gotten last season when you were auditioning for Gordon Hayward. Uh, but along those lines, with that ability, you don't need to make the playoffs. And if you don't need to make the playoffs, a guy like Joe Johnson has almost no value to you, yeah. but he has huge value somewhere else. And right. he ends up being one of the better trade trips midseason. Yeah, I, I think that's really true. And I, I guess I I think the Jazz should make the playoffs, and I think they should really strive to make the playoffs uh, because I think that's, that's going to be important for keeping your guys around long-term to, to to kind of be known as a winning franchise in the Western Conference and, and help you with free agents or, or trade pieces, whatever that looks like. So guys behind the scenes want to get to the Jazz. Uh, I, I don't think that they should focus on winning that first-round playoff series, as, as weird as that right. sounds, but you're going to be a 7 or 8 seed and, and lose, right? Um, and so that's when trading Joe Johnson to a team that might be able to use him better is, is you're right, he's going to be a good trade chip. Tweet at us at Andy B. Larson. You can tweet at me at Ben's Hoops. You can also give us a call, 877-353-0700. Your thoughts on the Jazz upcoming free agency. We've thrown out names like Avery Bradley, Jabari Parker. Tweet at us. We'd love to hear from you. Coming up next, the NBA today released some important dates, some uh, big games being played on specific dates early in the season and Christmas Day. We'll talk to you about those. Coming up next, stay tuned. It's the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Jazz and NBA Breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Hoop Show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. Find him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. Find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Hey, some actual NBA news. Uh, we're, a yeah. little, we're a little slow on news right now. The NBA takes this month and next month off for sure before really dialing up in October when camp starts uh, for all the NBA teams, but September a little bit of twenty sixth, I believe. Oh, is for the Jazz, day? yeah, oh, nice. for for the whole NBA. Oh, okay, super early. That feels yes. early. Well, that's that's year. because the season's starting earlier, which we're about to talk about, which is great. Uh, yeah, the NBA season, uh, some schedules, uh, dates announced earlier today on NBA TV, starting a week earlier than uh, usual this season. The first regular regular season games are going to start on October seventeenth. The NBA very much bucking the trend of what everyone says they should do when everyone says hey you should start the week of christmas or you should you know you should start towards the end of december so you don't have to compete with the nfl the nba is saying oh no we're gonna go back earlier in the nfl season and and, uh, fight those dates well look and i think it makes sense given that you're trying to maximize when you are tv you want the best players available and you want them to play and you want them to play at a high level and so they're eliminating these back-to-backs on national tv right uh, and, and so that you don't have teams resting players or you you have guys actually playing at 100% or near 100%, which should mean a better product going against the NFL. Uh, October 17th, a TNT doubleheader. Man, October 17th, that is really close. I know the NBA offseason yeah. feels like, sometimes it feels like an eternity, but getting this season bumped up a little bit. I love that there's three summer leagues now. This there, There's not a huge gap. It really is almost a year-round sport. 
Uh, October 17th, Celtics taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers. So the first game of the season, Jazz fans, you get to see Gordon Hayward going up against LeBron James. You should enjoy that. And then the Houston Rockets taking on the Golden State Warriors. You get to see Chris Paul whine and fuss and scream about having to play still against the Warriors that are still going to be better than they are. I thought someone interesting on Twitter had, had, a, had a good point that that game is going to have a lot of hot takes from it for it being the first game of the season. Oh, both games. Both the Boston game yes. and the Houston, both from those sides that either it's totally going to work and they're going to be champions mm-hmm. or it's not going to work at all and they're going to have to blow this up midseason. Yeah. Uh, other games of note early in the season, uh, Wednesday, October 18th, which is when you start getting more dates kick, kicked off, uh, 76ers taking on the Wizards, Wolves with Jimmy Butler going to be taking on Kawhi Leonard and the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, so these are the nationally televised games yep. that the NBA announced just happening in the in the first week. Uh, Knicks taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder. I don't know if anyone actually wants to see the Knicks, uh, though rumors today coming out again that the Rockets and Knicks are re-engaging on Carmelo Anthony talk, so there are still won't hurdles make that the remain. Knicks better. Uh, probably won't make Houston better? Might make Houston better. You think so? You get Carmelo, you think you're better? Yeah, I do. Okay. I like, I, I mean, you're not going to give up things of note for him right like i think there'll be a better team they'll also have a higher payroll and sure. you know have to give up some small asset for it a, a draft pick or whatever clippers taking on the lakers that might be an interesting team of non-playoff teams in the western <laughs> conference the clippers should make it i think the clippers will but be there's a, a chance team. they don't make it if blake griffin keeps getting hurt there's a chance they don't make it sure. Cavs taking on the bucks friday october 20th and then the warriors taking on Boogie cousins anthony davis and the team that is going to be most disappointing again this season the new orleans pelicans yeah, I that's that's a pretty easy one to see. Maybe along with the Sacramento Kings that may yeah. honestly end up being the last team in in the Western Conference. Wouldn't that be crazy? They signed Zebo, who gets arrested this morning for marijuana possession with intent to distribute. Yeah, that's that last part's uh they'll, they'll get does not help. I mean, he's a rich guy. He's gonna have a lot of money on him, and he's probably gonna have a lot of weed on him. So, because yeah. <laughs> he likes weed and he's rich, so that's what he does. He's not the only one. He's not the only one. Yeah. Uh, Christmas Day games, another slate of five. Let me ask you this: Do you watch Christmas Day games? I watch what I can. Yeah. I really, honestly, try to. Yeah. Um, and some of that's just because, like, I'm an NBA junkie. But sure. it legitimately is some of the best games and some of the best matchups. You it know, is. seeing Cavs Warriors in the middle of the NBA season, I think is you know is a different level of basketball than. Well, your usual 76ers-Knicks game, for example. And maybe you're a sports family and likes kind of that ambient noise in the background while you're opening presents or eating brunch or whatever you do yeah, on I Christmas Yeah, I mean, my Day. mom hates it, but let's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah my, see, my in-laws Wait. don't do it, and that's where we end up in the afternoon. Okay. And my the morning, it's not started yet, you know, when we're opening the presents. Yeah. So, uh, Christmas Day games. 76ers-Knicks, Cavs, Warriors, uh, Wizards taking on the Celtics, Rockets taking on the Thunder, and then the Wolves taking on the Lakers. So some good games. Yeah, that Rockets-Thunder game is is probably the best fourth game I think I've seen in, in yeah. Christmas Day. You know, yeah. that's, that should be a really good matchup. Obviously, games with Knicks and Lakers are uh, blowout candidates, we'll put it that way. Sure. Uh, I'll watch Lonzo Ball. That's a fun way to go to bed on Christmas night. Sure, I'll I guess. watch a little Lonzo Ball and get ready for uh, the 26th of December. I think he's going to be fun to watch. So those are the dates, uh, some early uh, dates. I don't know if you want to say they're important, uh, but still no jazz news necessarily in them. Yeah. Uh, but you kind of get an idea of where they're targeting, trying to show the Knicks, trying to show the Lakers. Those guys get multiple uh, games. I'm guessing the Wolves are taking over some of the national televised games that the Jazz got last season when they gained Jimmy Butler yep. and you lose a guy in Gordon Hayward. That's just going to be the trade-off. Yep, no doubt. And so the the NBA also said that they would announce the rest of the schedule next week. They didn't specify when. 
Um, but you know, we'll be sure to cover that for you on KSL.com and Salt City Hoops. Um, I, I do like, again, some of these schedule style changes where they're eliminating stretches of four games in five days. More importantly awesome. than these actual days, yeah. how they're changing the NBA schedule and starting it a week early is going to make for a better product. Um, eliminating 18 games in 30 days, which is kind of a, a benchmark some coaches had used as just, this is too much. Yeah. Uh, again, this is all helped by this, the season starting a, a week, eight, nine days earlier. Um, there are only... 40 instances across the whole schedule of five games and seven nights. So that's 1.3 per team. That's great. Um, that's less than half of what it was last year. So again, there, it won't feel like so many games so quickly yeah. during, this, the, during the NBA season. And just number of back-to-backs too is, is down to 14.9 per team. So that's down from uh, 16.3 last year. So cut off another one, one to two back-to-backs per team. Reduction of single-game road trips by 17%. Sure. Okay. People always complain, like... I get it. You, people you, complain about the single-game road trips. Right. It's like a, Generally, you don't go Boston to Los Angeles and then come back unless it's like a Christmas Day yeah. game or something but like, like that. But like last year, the Jazz played, I believe it was Minnesota in the middle of the year right. on a single-game road trip, and right. that sort of thing drives people crazy because it's a 1,200-mile a or whatever it is. Uh, and in day. that same note, uh, only 11 2,000-mile single-game road trips, which is Salt okay. Lake to... Yeah, probably Minnesota. You know, that's yeah. a couple thousand miles. So uh, they cut that down. There's only 11 total on the schedule. So I think that's a nightmare job is being an NBA scheduler. So mm-hmm. to be able to, to find a way to make it more efficient should be good. And uh, again, the idea here is to keep players healthier, spread out the schedule a little bit more, and also make it so teams are less likely to rest their players. And the NBA uh, coming out today from the USA Today is expected uh, to approve play to uh, player resting rules. Essentially, what they're going to do is they're going to try and eliminate the number of times that you see players out there resting, at least on the road. If you yeah. want to rest at home, the NBA is going to try and push you in that direction because you have 41 chances to see LeBron if you're in Cleveland or to see Rudy Gobert if you're in Utah. But if you're in Orlando and Rudy's your guy, you don't want to see the Jazz resting Rudy that night. Right, and especially you know if you kind of bought a ticket for a Jazz game, like you say, in Orlando or more likely a... You know, when last year, for example, when the Warriors came to play the Jazz only one one time all season long, uh, and if they rest somebody, then right. you you all of a sudden miss that opportunity. And there are a ton of kids. You go to a Jazz yeah. game, there are a ton of Steph jerseys. There are a ton of Clay Thompson jerseys. Guys, p- kids want to see it, and parents or grandparents or whoever, it's a lot of money to take your kid yeah. to that game, to go get an autograph, and then for him not to play is, is wild. It's, Look, it's yeah, and I, and I totally get that You know, guys need to rest, and it's a long schedule. That's why the NBA is taking steps to fix that. I, I think there should be some autonomy here, but if we push teams to resting players at home, I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, It says the rules will be in place by the start of the 2017-2018 season, and there will be consequences for teams that do not adhere to them. So I'm guessing fines. Yeah, probably fines is is all you can do. You probably can't suspend that guy, right? That that doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah, you can't take a first round draft pick. (laughs) You can't do that. It happens. And you know there are going to be times when teams decide to like pick up those fines and and rest their guys anyway, and and you know that's that's fine too. Then some charity gets hundred thousand dollars. Sure. But yeah, it should. It needs to be a significant amount of money. It needs to be a hundred thousand bucks. It can't be ten thousand dollars, fifteen thousand right. dollars. Uh, and I think you'll see that. And that should make for a better product. But more importantly, spreading the games out should make for a better product. Players are going to be more interested. Fans hopefully should be more interested. I remember when I was fifteen, sixteen, and they were always talking about they either need to shorten the NBA season or get rid of back to backs, and I was furious because I just wanted as wanted, much basketball yeah. as I could get. I just wanted everything pumped right to my veins as much as I could get <laughs> all the time. 
And so, uh, now as I've gotten a little older, I realize, oh, this is nonsense to, to play this many games. So older Ben is also pro a shorter preseason, too. So the Jazz are only playing five preseason games yeah, this year. For sure. And I like um, the little mini tournaments. I'm pro mini tournament. Or go play mm. twice in Phoenix or twice in L.A. and have Phoenix there and have the Kings there. Gotcha. And then just switch off who you're playing. Yeah, that's great. Um, and do you like international play in preseason games? The Jazz taking on Love. two teams? Love Sydney and, and Maccabi Haifa. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. The way we've talked about how soccer does, it's one of the things that soccer does really well everywhere. The MLS, obviously, we saw it uh, here with RSL bringing in Man U. I mean, if you can get those opportunities. Now, the problem is the Jazz are Man U. <laughs> They're no. playing Real Salt Lake right. when they bring in the Australia team. But it's a cool opportunity to, uh, to you know, for the Australian team to come and play against Dante and play against Joe Ingles and, and see how that works out. Yeah, and it's, it's about building a base down there as much as anything yeah just smart jazz need to make those advantages as much as they can yep. uh and if you can build that relationship and get to know some of those players who was the guy that jazz had in the summer league mitch creek mitch creek and uh nate sobe huh. both of who did not play that well they did not <laughs> We're, yeah i mean it, it's fine it's whatever joe ingles played well and that's what matters yep. anyways all right. Uh, other big news. You broke the story originally uh, here in town that the Jazz are going to have some new jerseys with Nike. We're going to talk about those because we saw the first two jerseys released yesterday, yeah. officially. We're going to talk about those jerseys and what to expect on the newer jerseys that are going to be released coming up. We'll tell you when that's going to happen as well. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. This is the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. Find him on Twitter at Andy P. Larson. You can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. I'm Ben Anderson. You can also give us a call, 877-353-0700, 877-353-0700. Oh, let's talk jerseys, Andy. I love it. You guys can't see the jerseys, but we like talking about yeah, them. You anyway. probably have seen the jerseys. If That's you have a Twitter, if you're listening to this show, you're probably kind of a diehard jazz fan. So you have found the jerseys. Steve Starks tweeted them out. Yep. CBS Sports has an article on them. ESPN has an article on them. Andy, you've talked about them for a long time. We finally see the Nike jersey. Even though I have to say, the photo that they sent out didn't actually look like the original video that the Jazz sent out. It looked to me like the Jazz logo, where it actually says Jazz, was mm-hmm. bigger on the jersey in the video than it was in the photo that they sent out by Nike, and I kind of liked the bigger logo. Yeah, I mean, and who knows? I guess, do we know which one of those is real? Maybe the video is harder to fake? Uh, but, yeah, it's I would bet the video is real the because it's video and right. you can actually see it. Who knows what they do with uh, with these pictures? You can Photoshop them and edit that certainly more easily. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I, I don't think it matters a great deal how big that logo is. The only real difference between the these two jerseys that we've seen um, this year and last year is, first of all, they've they've changed the trim around the neck and the shoulders. Yep. So it's it's on the white jersey, it's straight blue rather than a blue white stripe kind of thing. Um, Adidas always a fan of stripes. Nike not so much. Yep. Uh, and then on the blue jersey, they, it's now all uh, gold. Uh, around the neck and it's all gold trim uh and then you've got they they took out the utah quote-unquote tramp stamp on the back of all these jerseys which is honestly a good move that was a weird placement at all uh, on all of these jerseys okay. and always has been uh and then of course you've got the nike and the five for the fight logo up on either shoulder sleeve uh they're also getting rid of what was it the pride the community pride I mean, they're not doing jerseys. They're, they're not, not doing, doing sleeves. sleeve jerseys. And right. so you don't have the three stripes across the jersey. You don't have that jersey. That one's gone. That was one season. That's the yeah. time we saw yep, that one season it. for the Jazz. So hopefully you bought that thing 
while it was They're available. They're apparently all sold out, so if you haven't, Already? it's too late. You know, I like the shorts. I like the shorts more than that actual jersey. I would have uh, worn on the shorts okay. with the three the stripes the across the one leg. Yep. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, otherwise you're right. It's very similar. Uh, I do like the bold yellow on the blue jersey as opposed yeah. to the multi-stripes. I think that's just it's kind of a throwback look when they didn't have the technology to put multi layers or multicolors on the on the trim there. I kind of like that. It looks good. Uh, But I think Nike generally does things pretty well. So I trust that Nike's going to continue to do these, and then we've got two more jerseys coming. Yeah, I was going to ask you what you think about some of the other jerseys around the league. Have you seen those new Minnesota ones, for example? I love the Timberwolves Yeah, I like those a lot, too. They've they've got kind of the... the just as they say, Nike doesn't do stripes. They've got a horizontal stripe. They've got a line. uh, Yeah, a line. I guess it's it's only one stripe, uh, but... And and then kind of the the Fitbit logo, which is Minnesota's jersey sponsor next year, and the Nike logo, kind of in between uh, the the blue and the white, which which looks really nice. I like the Fitbit logo, um, and I like yeah. to play. I mean, they're all on the same sleeve because Nike's on the opposite sleeve. They're kind of up on that uh, that collarbone there. But uh, I like that the Fitbit logo is long and yeah. not blocky. That yep. was a nice touch by the Minnesota Timberwolves. I also like, and this is a lot of teams do this, but one of their jerseys says Minnesota, and one mm. of them says Wolves, and their road one will say Minnesota ideally, even though there's no really road or home jerseys anymore. But they'll have one that says Minnesota and one that says Wolves, and I love that. Yeah, that's great. And so these these two Jazz jerseys both have the Jazz logo. Last year, you'll remember, the, the green jersey said Utah, and, and the Jazz use that a lot on the road. This year, it sounds like, I, I don't know if these third and fourth jerseys, which we'll see, uh, they announced that we'll see the third one in fall 2017, I'm hearing in September at some point. Uh, and then the, the fourth one we'll see during the winter once the season has already began in, in November or December. Uh, I don't know if those have Utah on the front or yeah. Jazz on the front or what. I have heard that they are crazy. And, oh, really? Uh, that oh, I like crazy. People should be excited about that. Oh, I like crazy. Uh, at least that fourth one is expected to be is, is supposed okay. to be really bold is what I was told. Oh, um, I'm into that. I haven't bought a jersey in... 15 years I of don't, any kind? Yeah. I, would, I might buy a jersey. If there's a okay. bold jersey, I'll I mean, get one. The Pride jersey was bold, right? That was pretty bold. Like purple plus sure. old school plus and yeah. sleeved plus like you know the stripes and everything else. This is a different direction that's very Nike-y is what I've been told. So I don't know if that means some glow colors or, or what, but uh, that's that's what we'll end up with. And and I don't know if the third jersey or the fourth jersey are, are the yellow and gold um, alternates that I talked about. There's a winter release. Is there an August release? Or no, that this is August. This, uh, yeah, September. September. Okay, is what I hear for the third jersey. Uh, thank goodness the Wolves are getting a new jersey. Man, I just googled Wolves jerseys. Yeah, they're they not have great. significantly had the ugliest jerseys for a really long time, with the exception of I think it was KG's first year. They had the green writing with the white outline on the mm-hmm. on the old school blue Wolves jersey. I like that. Uh, I haven't liked the Wolf in the basketball. I, they yeah. had one Wolf jersey that was cool. Uh, but the Wolves have had really bad jerseys. I'll for a tell long you who time. I think is a, is a Nike downgrade on this, and it's the Phoenix Suns. Look at what they did because you know last year and the last couple of years they've had kind of the sun going across the sky yep. motif, motion lines, and everything. This year it's a very standard, very stock uh, jersey that just right. uses the regular colors, and I I, I don't I don't like it. I, I wish they would. Kept the jerseys with more imagination. Uh, which is too bad because traditionally Phoenix has had some of the better jerseys in the NBA going yeah. back to Charles Barkley's days and Jeff Hornacek before that. They've had cool jerseys for a long time. I, I like the idea that I know the Suns have done orange. I like that the Jazz are talking about maybe doing some orange or some gold and mixing it in there. Yeah. It could be a little Sunsy, which there's two teams in the Western Conference within a couple of hours of each other, though they're not in the same division. 
Uh, I do think it could come off a little sunsy there for the Jazz because they also do some purple, which the Suns have done historically. But uh, it should be good. I'd like to see. I, I'm excited the Jazz are doing something bold, if that's what you're hearing. I'd be surprised if they do kind of golden yellow and purple in the same jersey. You know, I, I, right. I, that's I, that would be that would be surprising. Um, what do you think about? So the Bulls are we- wearing their red jersey red primarily at home this year. Do you think the Jazz should wear their blues primarily at home or, or stick with kind of the traditional you wear white at home unless it's kind of a special occasion sort of thing? I think you should mix it up. I think you should always mix it up. I like colorful basketball. Like yeah. they sh- the, the ball should go back to the ABA basketball. Too. <laughs> like I just want <laughs> okay. more colors because I'm like a – I want to go and see a Michael Bay movie when I'm watching a basketball game. I just want colors and explosions. You want your, your and- <laughs> pro-Michael Bay movies. No, anti-Michael Bay movie unless I'm at a basketball game. Then I want more color. Wait, why well, are you pro the, the? Who was it last year? Was it the Bulls who tried to do a game where they didn't have music? Someone did this. I can't the, remember the who Knicks it was. Did. The Knicks. Yeah. Why? There's a reason they added music because it's so much better with music. It's like don't play white versus gray. Don't play shirts yeah. and skins. Have color. Make it fun. You're at a sporting event where people are eating popcorn and drinking and throwing stuff around. Don't throw stuff, but you know <laughs> they're throwing stuff off the court into the stands. Have color. Make me feel like I'm reading a comic book while I'm watching this basketball game. I'm into that. Okay. I, I Yeah, no, and, and I, I'm pro the – I like experimenting, honestly. Yeah. I like, you know, if you have 40 home games where you have where you play sound through the speakers and you do music and everything else, great. And if you've got one Sunday matinee where you don't play music, and it's fine. Just if that's like, the only game you ever went to and you didn't understand that they were going it's silent, not the, no one, it's the worst game you've ever been to was, and you're never going back to another NBA game. That is, that is not a thing that really happens. But right? here's the thing. I always feel, I feel this way Knicks- about life. It's like people who argue about seatbelts. There's a reason they put them in cars. There's a reason we added music to NBA games, because for four decades we didn't have it. And everyone was like, what are we doing here? Are there people who argue about seatbelts? Are we still having this conversation? Yeah, big time. Helmets. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Right. Uh, <laughs> they added it for a reason. They, they made it better for a reason. The same reason they decided, like, the first team that said we should go really colorful with jerseys, there's a reason they did that. Now, I get it can be overdone. Uh, are we worried about I, I like colorblind colors. folk. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. Uh, I, I like the idea of switching it up at home. Don't have one okay. jersey, yeah. especially don't have a white jersey. But I'm cool with I, you're playing the Knicks in, De- in December. If you're wearing your white jersey and they're wearing their blue or orange or whatever the Knicks wear, I'm cool with that. Yeah, no, I, I am too, and I'm just giving you crap on, <laughs> on everything. But And wear uh, your bold jersey as often as you can when you're at home. Yeah. Yeah, why not? It's, yeah, your third and fourth jersey should be a more frequent home look than, your, than an away look, I think, for sure. I agree. And I generally like the Jazz kind of third jersey with the exception of black and copper, which nobody liked. But when the Jazz introduced that green jersey, I like that. Yeah. When we come back, we're going to talk Ricky Rubio. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. Find him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. What's your title at Salt City Hoops? Managing editor. Managing editor. You're just the boss. You can control everything. You design everything. You make the rules. I tell everyone to pump the brakes. Bring people on. Yeah. Fire people. Fire people. Has <laughs> have you? Uh, I'm not gonna ask that question. Uh, you can you know tweet the answer at Andy, to that. <laughs> at Andy B. Larson. You can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. I'm Ben Anderson. All right. You had an article that got quite a lot of run uh, on Ricky Rubio at KSL.com. You and I both write for KSL.com. You do it for a living. I do it on Tuesdays. You do it for contributor money. Uh, sure. 
Uh, yeah, I do actually, and it's I love that job. Uh, but anyways, going back to uh, to your article, <laughs> we can on... just talk about like what it is like to work in sports business for a second if you want to. No, we were talking to uh, our producer Brittany about that. Yeah, about what we think she's good at. We were judging her. We brought her in. We made her <laughs> listen to us judge her. You're you're awful. Like you you put her on the spot and are just like, what are you good at? It's well, like I, in a job interview she's not prepared for. Okay. You're fine but with that? This business is about like things you're That's not prepared true. for. You kind of got to be thinking on your feet. Not be, all the time. It's not that ready. hard. You don't have to be a genius to do this job by any stretch of the no. imagination, but it helps be good at things. I think Brittany's very talented, so that's what we were talking about. Okay. You wrote about Ricky Rubio. Can he pull <laughs> it all together in Utah? I think he can. Andy, what did you think? I think I think he can, too. I, I, I do what, think what does it mean? Year... What does pull it all together mean for Ricky Rubio? Yeah, so look, his second half of last year was great. Best stretch of basketball he's ever played in his life. Absolutely. And you, and you look at it, and after the All-Star break last year, and, and really for a few games before that, but it's, it's a nice little cutoff. It's 24 games. He averaged 16 points a game, uh, shot 42% from the field, 35% from three, 92% from the free throw line, 10.5 assists per game, 4.5 rebounds per game. Um, when Dennis Lindsay compared him to Jason, Jason Kidd, Kidd. That's absolutely a fair comparison based on where they were in their careers at age 26 if you take the second half of last year. <laughs> now, yeah, if you take 30 games compared right. to Jason Kidd, one of the five greatest sure. point guards of all time, yes, that is comparable. Yeah. Right? No, it's it's crazy unfair, but this is this is where we are. And that's what the Jazz have said. That's not what you and I have said. That's yeah. what the Jazz have said. Now, if you ask Ricky, you know, what happened during these last few games yeah. 30 games and and why were you all of a sudden great at this he's like well i wasn't hurt anymore uh they put the ball in my hands right. and uh i i started to be able to play at 100 percent. and why did they put the ball in his hands because zach levine went down so they needed shooting they needed scoring and they needed it from the wing yeah. uh in addition to andrew wiggins and honestly they figured out that ricky rubio is pretty he's not very useful if you don't have the ball in his hands right you don't want him to be like your spot up guy and have Zach Levine running plays, uh, you, right. you just doesn't make any sense. Because you don't have to guard him. Right. Uh, I, yeah, and, and I think that's a good sign for the Jazz because even though it's significantly different than how they used George Hill last year where often he didn't initiate the offense, even though he was technically the point guard, because he guarded point guards, he could go stand in the corner and shoot threes and be valuable there. And Ricky Rubio's actually shot okay from one corner. Uh, yeah, but, last season, and then he was season. bad two years ago. Uh, but if last so that year might just be variance. an indicator and he can shoot that, then maybe you can run some of that same stuff. But like you said, you probably want the ball in his hands, which means we're going to see a different offense next year. Yeah. Now, I'll say this with putting it all together. It's not just he has to play offensively like he did last year. The Jazz want him to play defensively like he did two seasons ago when right. they believe he was the best defensive point guard in the league. Last year, they think he was fifth, sixth, or seventh is what Dennis Lindsay said. And, you know, honestly, the numbers back that up is that he was legitimately great. And when he's a the best gets the most deals out of any any player in the league, which he has a, for three of his six seasons, he's been the highest steal percentage player in the league. Okay, steal percentage. Okay. Yeah, so that's the number of possessions he possessions gets where you're out, th- out there on the floor and you end up with the ball in your hands. Uh, that's great. And if he can return to that and be good on offense, then you have a legitimate, like, Eastern Conference caliber all-star player. <laughs> he has had a yeah, that's I like that. He's had a nightmare coaching scenario in his lifetime yeah. since he's been in the NBA. First of all, he got drafted by a terrible franchise, which I'm just I, I attend more than anything. Attest more than anything, not attend. 
I attend work more than anything. <laughs> Bed. Uh, I attest more than anything. Not getting drafted by the Orlando Magic, Sacramento Kings, and maybe Minnesota Timberwolves is the absolute best thing that can happen to you if you're an NBA player. Yeah, it's just so hard to go to those franchises for some reason and become worthwhile. Right. Those they just don't build teams well. They don't build players well. They don't develop people very well. Now they have ex- exceptions. Yeah. Boogie, they probably got the most out of him that you can get out of him. Carl uh, Anthony Towns looks like he's doing very well. Dwight Howard ended up being a superstar for a little while, maybe had his best years when he was in Orlando. But for the most part, the guys that go there have really underachieved, and I don't think it's just because uh, they're bad at evaluating talent. I think they grab players and they don't know what to do with them. Yeah, and I think it's it's player development staffs and that sort of thing. And yeah, I, I think you can question... I, I, you know, I would say all those three guys that we'd say succeeded in those three markets were big guys, right? Carl Anthony Towns, right. Kevin Garnett, if you want to go back earlier sure, to Minnesota. That's, but that's way longer. I mean, that's right. mid-90s. Okay. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins. Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So our, our guys who are, are very different to, to develop than someone like a Ricky Rubio. Correct. Now, he's been playing since he was 14 years old. So Professionally. Professionally. professionally right. since he was 14. Everyone's been playing since they were 14. He's been playing pro basketball right. for teams like FC Barcelona since he was 14. Uh, so you kind of expect that he is what he is at this point, but then you get these little stretches where there are flashes. And, and the Jazz really do believe that they think that they can put him together where he is. I will have a better year than he's ever had before. And on on both sides of the ball. Uh, but you know what? I mean, they tried to run the triangle with Kurt Rambis there with Ricky. Yeah, and there's right. just not a worse setup for a guy like Ricky Rubio. Sam Mitchell is a terrible coach. Yeah. Um, Flip Saunders was great, and he, I mean, he died. That's so dark, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, he was sick and he was dying, uh, or he did die while he was the coach there. So they have had, and then getting over that culturally and bringing in a guy. In Tibbs, who apparently he and Rubio just did not get along at all. And yeah. there's a lot to point at of him not being very good. And to bring this over from a football comparison, which I don't like doing, but fans locally will know what I'm talking about, Alex Smith didn't get along with anybody of his five coaches or offensive coordinators that he had in his time in San Francisco. And then he gets traded to the Chiefs, and he's a starting quarterback, and they go to the playoffs every year. It's kind of that same thing, and your point guard is your quarterback. Like if he goes somewhere with a guy who believes him in, in in him and Quinn Snyder and a front office that believes in him, they set him up to succeed, and maybe he's comfortable, and maybe you do get the full package. Also, you're playing on a good defense, which is another— Just like the like, Chiefs. Yeah, no, Chiefs, I don't know. I don't right? Know. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you know, if, if you're not great on offense, there's not that, possess- that, that pressure to score every single offensive possession because you're allowing 120 points per 100 on the other end of the floor— the Jazz are going to be a very good defensive team next year. Yep. Regardless, honestly, if Ricky Rubio is the first or the fifth best defensive point guard. In and the I think only one time in Rubio's, what has he been there, five years, six years six now? Years. Uh, he's been on one team that was even remotely decent. I think they went 40 and 42, and that was with Kevin Love when they'd been playing together for a couple of seasons. Yeah, and they didn't make the playoffs. Right. And, and okay, so let's, some of that though, if, and if you ask some, some Minnesota people, um, Jim Peterson, who calls their games, one of them, believes that the reason why the Timberwolves were so bad in the clutch throughout sure. Ricky Rubio's tenure, was and honestly a little bit before, was because Ricky Rubio can't shoot, and so the offense breaks in the last five minutes. Yeah, you buy that? you got to have a guy who can handle the ball and get a bucket. I sure. Mean, you've, you've always needed that. Sure, and, and and you know maybe Kevin Love should have been that guy, but he's not a he's not a nice old guy, right? He can't take you off the dribble. Uh, right. And Ricky Rubio is not that guy either. It never has been and, and never will be. Right. 
so do the Jazz play him at the end of games? Do they just go with Donovan Mitchell? Do they go with Dante Exum? Probably not Dante Exum. Not Dante, but you can go Rubio, or you just Mitchell, go no point guard. Hood, uh, Joe Johnson, Gobert, or yeah. whoever you want to have as your five and be fine with that because still running the pick and roll late, Rudy Gobert's hit some huge shots late in games, mm-hmm. uh, either as a roll man or as an offensive rebounder. I mean, you got to have him on the floor for that reason. Another reason to like Ricky Rubio is he's a good free throw shooter. Yeah, that's uh, and having that guy late in games is huge because okay. the Jazz haven't had eighty five percent plus since Kyle Korver was here. So when you have that guy who can consistently hit those shots, you like having him on the floor late. And I think it makes sense to see if you know play him the first forty games at the end of games and see right. look is is it a rookie Rubio thing or is it a Minnesota stink? They never could figure out how to play defense sort of thing. Right. Uh, and you know he'll he'll have honestly Rodney Hood and Joe Johnson are two of the better isolation players in the league. Um, not in terms of maybe efficiency, but they can get their shot off whenever they want. It's not awful if you have, even if you have guys leaving Ricky Rubio to go double team Joe Johnson, Joe Johnson's not terrible at sc- scoring over double teams. No, you know, because he, he, he can get whatever shot off he wants. Right. He's just that guy who knows where to release the ball, when to release the ball, how to time it. He's that's why he's scored 20,000 points in yeah. his career. He's really uniquely skilled in that sense. Right. It, it's it's worrying, but I it's it's kind of in the wait-and-see category for me. Good news for the Jazz. I think worst-case scenario, you get a double-double out of him. And by double, I mean 9.7 assists or 9.3 assists. I mean, you're basically going to get 10 assists. You're probably going to get I'll 10 I'll be curious points. about that, actually. Okay, you think uh, that could go down? I, I think it could go down because, again, we've seen so few assists in a Quinn Snyder. Yeah. Like you said, this staff. was the most interesting stat you put out. Not one player on the Jazz last year had 10 assists. How Not is that one. possible? You should accidentally have a player get 10 assists right. one game. Like and Joe Ingles got gets 11 in the playoffs in one game, but that's right. it for you know like that's exactly the kind of accident that should have happened in the first 82 games, but it just doesn't because the Jazz's offense was so like we're going to create an advantage and then we're going to get it to Gordon Hayward or Rodney Hood or Joe Johnson or George Hill or whatever and they're going to drive and you know like there just aren't that many assist opportunities. It was a sure. kind of a very I don't want to say isolation heavy, but it was about setting guys up to succeed one-on-one. But the Jazz haven't had this good of a passer since Darren Williams no. was here, and he's probably better than Darren was in his prime. And Wait. As a R- passer. Rubio? Oh, okay. As a passer, not okay. as a basketball <laughs> player. <laughs> like, time out. As a passer. All right. He's a better, pure passer than even Darren was. Stop my heart. Darren was really good. Oh, I'm, a, I'm a huge pro Darren Williams okay. guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm with you now. I, I So, I... He's the best point guard in Jazz history, Ricky Rubio. So I'll be curious to see how much Quinn Snyder adapts to Ricky Rubio and Ricky Rubio adapts to Quinn Snyder. Is there anything preventing the Jazz from not giving the keys to Ricky Rubio but really overhauling the offense and saying this is uh, we want you to be the guy? Yeah. I mean, in that you've kind of set up something that's worked, honestly, right? With the last couple of years, you've got a system that was an above-average offense. Yeah. Uh, and Rodney Hood and and Joe Johnson and and really is that totally main dependent other guys. on Gordon Hayward or no? I don't think so. Okay. Like Gordon Hayward's not. If it had been a, if he had been like a thirty percent usage guy, then great. If if Gordon Hayward had been dribbling dribbling the ball up, always you know great. But it's Gordon Hayward was good because he finished plays efficiently when he got the ball. It's never that the Jazz really tried to shoehorn him into the offense or fit the offense around him. I'm with you. I don't think you absolutely have to redesign it around Rubio. You will do something certainly differently and put him in opportunities to find shooters in the corners or get the ball to to Rudy Gobert with maybe less action in the offense before he actually initiates that, where the Jazz weren't doing that so much last season. You wouldn't come down and immediately say, all right, 
one five pick and roll, and we're gonna try and get a lob out of it. And every time down the floor, that wasn't necessarily the first option with the Jazz. They and you talk about it in your article how the Jazz tried to get mismatches and, and again tried to get the ball moving around, and then find guys with that mismatch to then drive outside of that. Uh, but you may see that a little more now with Ricky Rubio. Yeah, let me ask you this because I got an interesting Twitter question after I published this article. Who does Ru- Ricky Rubio help the most, and who does he hurt the most? You know, compared to having George Hill as a point guard last year. Oh, I mean, he hurts Dante Exum because <laughs> because Dante can't play now. I mean, he can't. Okay, no, I mean, but there are other guys to, that are going to be in the starting lineup, or they're going to get real minutes. Yeah, f- not from a minutes point of view, but from a you know, does he style of play? Style of play. Point he of still view. could hurt Dante a lot because you're going to have to put Dante at the two, and then I don't think Dante's a good enough shooter for Rubio to find you the ball because there's no reason for Rubio to find you the ball, and he's probably smart enough to realize, hey, I don't, I don't need to pass you the ball if you're going to be a spot up three point shooter unless you start showing you can shoot that. Mm. Uh, who does he help the most? There's a lot of candidates. Yeah. Uh, because if he can get you the ball in the pocket where you're supposed to catch it so you can go up with a shot, I mean, that makes Rodney Hood better. That makes Joe Ingles even better as a three-point shooter. What he's going to be able to do passing the ball to uh, uh, Rudy Gobert is enormous. What he could do for Derek Favors, kind of revitalization is yeah. enormous. I mean, there's a he should... I mean, that's what pure point guards do, though. They just make people better. The Derek, idea is he should make everyone better. Derek Favors was my answer, and I, I think that's because he does hang out around the rim and, and kind of hangs out in the, that cutter spot or that dunker spot sometimes, and that's where I think he can maybe open up some space um, where George Hill may not have been able to. I think it may hurt Rod- guys like Rodney Hood and Joe Johnson okay. more. Um, guys who, honestly, they may help off of Ricky Rubio to to contest a shot. Okay. Uh, and, and Certainly could do that. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Jazz design their pick and rolls uh, for a guy like Derek Favors, who's a decent pick and pop player. At least he has that mid-range jump shot. Ricky Rubio is also pretty good at the jump shot. You know, if they have to stay on him, that could make things better for Rubio. If they're not going to stay on Rubio, either he's going to hit that jump shot. Hopefully, he continues okay. the numbers that you've seen in the past. And if not, that could hurt Favors' ability to shoot the jumper. Yeah, I uh, I don't know if I ever want like Derek Favors' pick and pop to be your primary option no, in the set, right? By any means. But Favors, I, I guess, and here's the question. Where is Favors in the offense this year? We talked about him potentially being the yeah. third leading scorer. Where is he as far as, you know, weapons that the Jazz use? Is he the third guy? Maybe. Rodney Hood could be your one. Rodney Hood one. Go Bears probably two. two. Right. And then, yeah, then it really opens wide open. Uh, yeah. It could be Joe Johnson. Could be Joe Ingles. Could be Donovan Mitchell. Could be Ricky Rubio could if he's Ricky a sixteen Rubio. point game scorer. And if it's any if it could be any of those guys, they could continue to be the next guy. And the next guy and then Favors could come in behind all of those players. But Favors was really good two years ago. It's just yeah. it's so easy to forget how good he was a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, right. And because honestly, he was a changed player physically. Like we we saw, you know, whatever it was, sixty, fifty, sixty games of Derek Favors where he was at fifty, sixty percent. Um if he if he's that athletic as he was two years ago, three years ago, and can finish above the rim and and so effectively, then he's going to be really really good playing with Ricky Rubio. And if he's not and still struggles to get above the rim and and you know is kind of a mid range guy, then it it won't matter much. Here's what I would say, and that's kind of a dangerous way to pose the question that you posed: is who does he hurt? He's not going to ruin somebody's he's game right. the way Eric Bledsoe might ruin somebody's game, hmm. or you know a ball dominant guard is going to hurt 
another player. Isaiah Thomas could come in and ru- he could ruin Gordon Hayward's career. Not career, but wow. he could make Gordon Hayward's job a lot harder yeah. than Gordon Hayward is expecting in that offense because he likes to ball- have the ball so much. He's not a he's a good passer. He's not a great passer. He's not necessarily going to be looking for Gordon Hayward first. I don't think he will because like he, in some sense, made Jay Crowder's career, right? Sure. Uh, and and helps those guys, but you could see Gordon Hayward saying, "Hey, man, I want I want more touches, or I want more touches late in the game," and that changes the perspective on who that player is. Rubio is not going to be the type of guy who takes away from anyone on this Jazz roster. Yeah, and you, uh, I will be very interested to see again how this plays out offensively. Um, you're right that it, it will really help some guys, and I and I like that he came into Utah and kind of started making those relationships right away. Um, he, he talked to us uh, on the conference call last week and, and mentioned how he's been talking to Quinn Snyder every week since he was traded to the team about what the offense is going to look like, what kinds of plays he liked in Minnesota. In Minnesota, Tom Thibodeau let him call the plays, which I think will be interesting to see how much of that responsibility uh, Quinn Snyder gives him. Uh, one of the things we talked about there with Rubio is how you're going to kind of change the system to fit his needs better. Who could play a bigger role in the offense, not just as a scorer, but who who can do more now with the absence of not just Gordon Hayward, but George Hill for the Jazz? I mean, who could step up and do a little bit more? I thought we saw some of it in the playoffs with Joe Ingles, and you just invested a lot of money into him. Yeah, so I would absolutely say Joe Ingles, you know, is, is a guy who's shown an ability to be kind of a, not a lead playmaker, but a your second guy, and, and maybe your lead playmaker off the bench is something I think he showed. Jazz are hoping to get much, much more from Rodney Hood. Like I've talked about in the past, he's kind of on that Johnny Bryant uh, player development path this summer where he's getting up early and working with the Jazz's lead player development coach. And really, Jazz's, I guess he's not the Jazz's lead assistant coach, but he's hes the yep. second guy uh, in, in terms of what he can do to kind of be like Gordon Hayward and improve in a real way every single year and in a way that Rodney to be fair hasn't in his yeah. in his first 3 years or so he really was pretty much the same player this year as he was in his rookie season almost in every occasion there's talent on an NBA team that is not seen because there's superior obvious talent or superior veteran talent that covers those things up so you could have said when it was the Jazz when you had Stockton and Malone nobody knew how good Kirilenko was mm. and then as soon as, soon as Kirilenko was touching the ball every time he came up the court you realized okay this guy's a magician he's a good dribbler he's and a as soon as he wasn't it went away again right right and it went away again uh when I mean, you can talk about Paul Millsap, kind of when when Boozer went away yeah. and these other, you know, these guys get found. Uh, and it happens across the NBA. It happens with every team almost universally. That will happen again this season for the Jazz. Somebody on this team has a skill set that we haven't seen yet. Yeah. And they will step up and they will eat up those points and they will eat up those possessions and do it well enough that they're better than passable. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be a huge subtraction for the Jazz. I don't, you going to say something? Someone's going to fail. I just I, I I mean I don't want to throw people under the bus, but I I kind of want to know. Here's the good right? news: I don't think the guys who are going to fail are going to surprise anyone. Okay. I don't think anyone's going to like. I don't think Gobert next year is all of a sudden going to be eight points, eight rebounds, and a yeah. block and a half, and not be able to stay on the floor. And if he does, right, it radically changes your franchise, right? That but. maybe Rodney Hood doesn't end up being the guy that a lot of fans hoped they would be, but I think that would kind of surprise me if he's not yeah. even, if he's not at least as good as he was last year and he was injured all of last year. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of his baseline. Exactly. Uh, and the year before that, he was really good. Remember, he had several 30-point games the second half of the season, so he clearly has that ability to get hot and score. I mean, he had 30 points in the first half against the Lakers a couple of years ago before Kobe ruined the basketball game and decided to just face guard him the whole time. 
Including it's on a still fast one of my break. favorite games. Including on a fast that, break. That fast break. Giving up like, another layup on the other Giving up a layup. Uh, yeah. That I was mean, a weird game. That was a that weird was game. really weird. Every Kobe game in his last season was very weird. Yep. He took so many shots, missed so many shots. Uh, but every game he played in was was about him, right? Like that was every player on the floor was yep. focused on him, including after the games. I mean, no, I've right. never seen anything weirder than every player on the Jazz coming over and getting a photo with Kobe Bryant, including Rodney Hood after the game. Yeah, Mark Eaton. I mean, it was really strange. What's cool is Kobe knows everybody. Yeah, but that it does show everyone's still a fan. You know, I mean, you talk about in the media, don't be a fan, and that's one of the things you kind of have to do is when you get downstairs, don't ever ask for an autograph or a photo yeah. or anything like that. But then every once in a while, like Rodney Hood realized, Trey Lyles realized, I got to go get a photo with this guy. This is my only opportunity to ever do it. I might never see him again. And if I do, it's not going to be in this type of environment. So if I can go and hang out with him and they introduce their families. I mean, I think Rodney Hood introduced his girlfriend at the yeah. time to Kobe. I mean, that was a huge deal for those guys. It's, it was funny. That was also the Andre Kirilenko game, right? And they had that conversation about how, didn't Andre give him skis The Jazz or something gave like Kobe that? skis. That's right. And... Kobe asked Andre because everyone was sitting around because they didn't have a back room to go because everyone was waiting to talk to Kobe. Right. But he and Andre just had this crazy conversation in front of everybody, which everyone was eavesdropping, but they were doing it in front of the media scrum. Yeah. And uh, Kobe was like, yeah, what do you do now? You're retired. And Andre's just like, I don't know. And they, were, they honestly said, <laughs> yeah. we should learn to surf. That's what they said. That's, they yeah, said, we should go that. learn to surf this off season. So Andre- They both have- uh, obviously, Andre has a house in California yeah. and, and spends a lot of time there. So now they're just going to be, you know, European travel buddies and surfers yeah. together. And I could totally see that because I bet you those two have way more in common than the average person would suspect. We have a question from Twitter. Okay. Um, Ali Kiabanchian. I don't know how you say you that, but I'm, that's a good one. First try. Uh, Who would you guess will be the Jazz's top scorer next season? This is something we've talked about a little bit on, on shows past. Um, what did you say then? I don't know what I said then, but I know who I narrowed <laughs> what do you it say down now? to. I know who I narrowed it down to okay. was Rodney Hood or Rudy Gobert. Yeah, Rudy Gobert scored more points than Rodney Hood did last season. I had forgotten that. I'd yep. gone back and looked, and he was two points because I was talking about in my article about the Jazz potentially going out and trying to find a 20-point-per-game score. If you were to ask somebody on the roster to do it, Rudy has to average, average six more points per game. He was at an even 14, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, Rodney Hood was at 12.3. To get to 20, yeah. To get to 20 points so, per game. Uh but Rodney Hood's injuries and the fact that he played the same position as Hayward or at least some of those positions mm. went to Hayward. If he's healthier and gets those shots, which are more natural, it's hard to give. You still can't give Rudy the ball and say, go get a bucket. He no. can't. He's, he, he'll never be that player, most likely. <laughs> then again, he's an insane worker. He might figure out one way or another to get shots. Uh, I, I don't uh, think so. Right. But <laughs> I, he's the type of guy that's dangerous to doubt. Uh, Rodney Hood should be the Jazz leading scorer next yeah. year. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, and I, I'm with you that Rudy Gobert, and especially with Ricky Rubio, I think is he, everyone kind of talks about how you'll be able, to, they'll be able to drop off that pick and roll and kind of defend against the rim run. I think Rudy Gobert is long enough and and sneaky enough, and honestly, Ricky Rubio is sneaky enough that they can still get that ball to Gobert and, and he can still finish. Uh, yeah, they'll be good. Jazz are gonna be fine. I think the Jazz will be good next year. I also don't think. Anyone around the league knows how good the Jazz are. And this happens with every team. You could always say, but remember, the most anyone's ever watched the Jazz this in the last decade was this Clippers uh, series that the Jazz yeah. watched and played last year, and Rudy Gobert was not healthy beyond the first play. Was it two right. plays in no, the game? No, it was one play. It was one the play. first offensive play. So of- nobody knows how good Rudy Gobert is, and he's legitimately a top 15 player in the league. A lot yeah. of lists came out this offseason and had him at 29 or 30. He's not way right. better than that. 
He's way better than that. And Joe Ingles was bad in that series. Hood was bad in that series because they had other jobs just chasing around J.J. Redick. Even though Ingles was good, he just didn't shoot the ball well. Right. Nobody knows how good this Jazz team is, and I think that's a good thing. I think the Jazz are still going to be able to sneak Useful. up on some people. Uh, all right, when we come back, SB Nation did a cool thing. Eventually, the NBA is going to expand. Adam Silver, the commissioner, said that's the case. If you had to protect players in an expansion draft, which will explain how it all works, who on the Jazz would you protect and who would you allow to get drafted away? I like it. We're going to talk about that coming up next. It's the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. <laughs> Jumping the gun there a little bit. He's Andy Larson. Find him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. You can tweet at me, Ben Anderson, at Ben's Hoops. Also, give us a call, 877-353-0700. But I'm telling you, tweet at Andy. You're going to get the best information there, at Andy B. Larson. Uh, SB Nation did a fun thing because yeah. Adam Silver has talked about NBA expansion, and they won't add one team. They will most likely add two teams, Makes which sense. would lead to an expansion draft. Yeah, so the way it would work is, and I've written a little bit about this, but as a catastrophe draft, if some team were to die in a car a car accident or Yikes. plane accident or whatever, but let's avoid that and just go for the expansion theme. Way more uh, likely and sunnier. Way yeah, brighter. Sunnier. Uh, so basically, each team gets to protect eight players, and then the expansion teams would pick amongst the remaining nine through 15 players on the roster. So the big question is, if you are the Utah Jazz and, and you have an expansion draft situation, who do you protect? Right. Now, since there's two teams, there would be a different number of players you have you get to protect than there was when this actually happened in 2004? Yeah, I believe there was nine, team, nine players protected then. And you only uh, had a 12-man roster, I think, at that time, correct? Yeah, although you could have guys on the IR, so still kind of the, a similar sort of thing. Uh, and I want to say, I, if, I can't remember all who the Jazz protected, but they didn't protect Sasha Pavlovich, who they had drafted the season before with a first-round pick. Yeah. The Jazz didn't protect him. They did protect Curtis Borchard. And, of course, uh, you did end up having Sasha Pavlovich get picked uh, and ended up playing uh, for a long time, and Borchard did not end up being an NBA player for very long. No. And now you're making me look up who every team protected and whatnot. I'll I'll try to find it. But anyway, um, yeah, it's... It's it's actually an interesting situation, and I think you, you really want to look at what your long-term pieces are going to be. Um, should we should we do a draft? So, yeah, yeah. so you can protect what? How many did you we decide? Eight, eight players. Eight players for the Jazz. I'm going to need to grab a piece of paper here. That's fine. All right, well, I'll, I'll start with Number one. Number one, Rudy Gobert. No question. Keep him. Uh, and understand, there's a lot that has to go on here. You can very smart teams won't protect certain players. Not yeah. just the worst players on their roster, but if I'm the Houston Rockets, I'm not protecting Ryan Anderson because I don't want to pay him that money, and I suspect that he would get picked. So basically, right. I get a get-out-of-jail-free card. Unfortunately, well, maybe that's not the case. Maybe the Jazz do have one of those guys. We'll talk about that. Rudy Gobert, no question about that. He's the number one overall pick. Who's number two? Is it difficult? I mean, there's it's, here's the thing. There's so many guys. Actually, you know who I think it is? I think Donovan it's Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell. It's Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell, number two. Uh, okay, because he's young. He yep. costs absolutely nothing. He's got enormous upside, and yep. he's a guaranteed player that would end up getting picked here. Yep. Uh, number three. Uh, let's go with Rodney Hood. I mean, he you still only really have one year, but you, you like his rights. You think he's a good player. He's potentially um, could be a 
franchise piece. He's still got potential to be maybe the number three guy on a really good team. Yeah, it, it's not a. He's he's definitely in your top eight for sure. No question about it. He's a no doubter. Number four. Uh. And oh, by the way, the guys at SLC Dunk did this. I know they're the other blog, but they no, did they're good. do this. We've uh, had SLC Dunk people sure. on the show before. We Talk like to them. we're pro SLC Dunk. Uh, but th- they did I this as well. Them. Sure. Uh, so this is something SB Nation did. They yeah. did a- an article on it. We're not just trying to steal their idea. Give them some credit as well. Uh, but these are our own players. Yeah. Uh, so we went with Rudy one, Donovan Mitchell two, Rodney Hood three. Okay. Let's go, Ricky Rubio. Just talked about him. Potential Jason Kidd of 2017. Still um, 26. I don't right. think he's a guy for two years. who I, I don't think he's only on the Jazz for two years. I, hmm. I wouldn't guarantee that. I still think there's a chance he could be a long-term answer for the Jazz because he could like the city and could end up being a guy who wants to play here. And if he's that good, then you want to keep him around. Exactly. Uh, Rubio, four, no question about it. Number five. Uh, you probably want to keep Joe Ingles. You just gave him a four-year deal. Joe Ingles is a guy, though, who if you decided, you know what, that deal was for Gordon Hayward, right. and we lost Gordon Hayward and we want to have that $13 million, and we want to have it now, I'm going to let the Virginia Beach Musketeers or whoever they end up Seattle being. Seattle Sonics. The Seattle <laughs> Sonics. I'm going to let them pick Joe, Joe Ingles because they probably pick him and they save us okay. $50 million. So do but you have- I, would t- I would keep Joe Ingles. Okay. Joe Ingles is my guy who, again, I said in our last segment, who's a guy who has more skill than anyone realizes Joe Ingles is a better player. Yeah. Because he was that guy in Australia and Europe when he's had to play there. Yep. He's a bigger role player. Uh, Ingles comes in at number five. Number six. You start getting hard here. It's it, getting it a little hard. bit difficult. So you, you've you've got your choice. You know, you you've got Dante Exum. You've got Derek Favors. Uh, you've got Jonas Jurebko, Tabo Sefalosha, Ekpe Udo, Alec Burks, Tony Bradley, uh, Joel Ballenboy, Royce O'Neal. If you want to get crazy, here's the thing: uh, if you don't protect Tony Bradley, he gets picked. Yeah, one hundred percent, he gets picked. Right. Are you ready to give up on him? The Jazz traded up to get him. They didn't trade a lot, but they traded right. an early second-round pick. The Jazz like him. Or do you choose someone like Derek Favors or Dante Exum, who has maybe you know Derek Favors especially we think has one year left in an NBA in in a Jazz uniform, not NBA. That's harsh. Uh, <laughs> in a Jazz uniform, I, I agree I, with you. I, I still think, think probably one year left. I still think you probably protect Derek Favors. Because you, you you probably think he has value around the league that you know if you want to trade Derek Favors maybe you can okay. get a first um and and give and some team has his bird right who gives you more value this offseason or this this trade deadline in late January early February Tony Bradley or Derek Favors Derek Favors or Joe Johnson hmm. I know probably what Joe Johnson, Joe Johnson does Johnson. I know what Joe Johnson does so if I'm saving my number eight now, player or number seven player because I'm going to try and trade him later. See, that's so hard because we're we're talking about 36-year-old Joe Johnson Correct. who may regress, and we're going to see a Derek Favors who hopefully is a heck of a lot better than he, he was last year. He gets up to 16 season. points a so, game. So, you know what? I'll say Derek Favors okay. will get would be worth more. I don't think you're wrong. Around the trade deadline. Right. I'll go with that. I'm happy with that. So, right now we have Rudy, Donovan Mitchell, yep. Rodney Hood, Ricky Rubio, Joe Ingles, Derek Favors. We've got six. We need to protect two more players for the Jazz. I think you still go with Dante Exum. Okay. You have his bird rights. You, 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 you have his bird rights. He's a restricted free agent next year. Again. He's young. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons why you haven't seen him develop the way he he maybe still could. He still has more potential than the Jazz have. The Jazz don't know how much potential he has still. Right. At least they haven't shown it on the floor. They may know, but and, they haven't shown it on the floor. And yet. I think he probably has more value you know, in a vacuum than Tony Bradley or Joe Johnson. Okay, that's seven. Yeah, I actually so now don't you've think got this, a hard choice. I don't think this one's that hard, but 
Who would you pick? I'd go with Tony Bradley. I'd go with Tony Bradley as well. He's young. You think he can, clearly you think he can play. You like that he costs you absolutely nothing for the next four years. You control him for the next seven years, most likely. Yeah. Uh, and those pieces are good. And if he ends up being good, and you already have the best center in the NBA, and you've got another good backup center, then you've got a really valuable trade piece. Yeah. Uh, and I like that if I'm the Jazz. Your so number the, nine is Joe Johnson, though? Probably, yeah. Okay. My number nine might be Ekpe Udo. I'm very excited to see what Ekpe Udo can do sure. in a Jazz uniform next year. He's so cheap for the next two years, making $2.5 million a year. Uh I really think that there's a chance that the Jazz just got a steal with how good he can be. Um, just because of, again, he was a EuroLeague MVP. And I, I get that, you know, there have been a lot of players in Europe who have come over to the NBA and have struggled to translate sure. it. Uh, but given what he did, even as a plus-minus guy when before he went over to Europe, I think that's going to be, that's my favorite contract of the three that the Jazz signed this summer. I feel like we see this guy come around the NBA every so often. I don't think he's impossible Three point two million million, by the way. Uh, Alexis Aginsa did this, remember, was once a highly touted player, went sure. overseas, ended up coming back and playing, and was actually okay. Uh, he's still in the NBA for that reason. Hassan Whiteside was very much this guy. These kind of these young guys, these big guys you get drafted, can't play at all, and end up being available all the time. JaVale McGee, available yeah. all the time. I feel like those guys end up... Uh, being out there that you can grab if you decide you want him. Okay. So uh, you, you're saying another team may not give up assets for for Udo? No, I don't think Udo has That's a fair. ton of trade value at any point. Okay. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. And then you can move him, or you like him and you keep him around for a long time. Uh, other names that could... Here's the name you're happiest to not protect because you think he gets picked up. It's Alec Burks. Yeah. You probably think Alec gets picked up. You think? I don't think I don't think I sign him if I'm the Seattle Sonics or okay. Virginia Beach whatever's right. Like I I just think that it's a waste of twenty two million dollars. Maybe you have to have players though. You, sure, you have to have players, but like I would rather have I would rather put on pro, I would probably rather put on someone like Tabo Cephalosha onto my roster than okay. Alex and we didn't protect Tabo Cephalosha. And here's the rule in expansion drafts: NBA teams can only lose one player, right. and that would be the case here. Actually, these two teams would have to take one player from every roster if that's how they wanted to do it, other than signing free agents and wherever they would end up getting their draft pick. And you look at some of the teams that, you know, so SB Nation did this with all 30 teams. You look at some of the players who you would probably take over uh, Alec Burks. Like, Lou Williams is available in this draft. Uh, Evan Fournier is available in this draft. Yeah. Uh, again, George Hill. George Hill's available in this draft. Yeah. Uh, just uh, among guards, I'd rather have someone like CJ Miles or Bryn Forbes, you know, honestly, okay. than, than what Alec Burks would give you at that at that I'm looking at this uh this expansion draft, the selections that the just to revisit a little bit of fun part of NBA history, what the Bobcats selected in 04. Yeah. Lonnie Baxter. Woo. J.R. Bremer. Your first pick. Primo's Brezik, who actually could play a little I guess. bit. He could play. Uh Maurice Carter. Peja no Drobniak. No, I'm just going through Wikipedia. Desmond Ferguson, Marcus Pfizer, who played a little bit, mm -hmm. Richie Fram. Brandon Hunter, Jason Capono, that was a good pick. Zaza was a way better pick than they ever ever realized. Sasha Pavlovich from the Jazz, Jamal Sampson, Tamar Slay, Theron Smith, Jeff Tra how do you say Trapanier? I have no idea. He's just been around a long time. Or at least that was a name I saw for a long time. It could be Trapanger. I don't know. <laughs> but I think it's Trapanier. Uh Gerald Wallace who ended up being an all-star. Yeah. Uh Jahidi White and Lauren Woods. That's fine. And all those guys are the only guy on that lat list who had played more than five NBA years at that point was Jahidi White. So you can see the Charlotte went young. Well, the Jahidi White thing, remember, was a trade. Right. They made him available 
the Suns made him available to clear cap space to acquire Steve Nash, which ended up being a brilliant move. Right. I think it was the Jahidi White move. Yep. That ended so up making trade him for a first round pick. There you go. It's great. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, that that's exactly what you would want to do if you're an expansion team: is get young players, uh, take advantage of your early picks, and you know see if you can build something for for the future. And that will be this so, will be something the Jazz face. This will happen again. There will be an expansion draft in the next ten years. Ten years, yeah, for sure. They'll okay. add two teams. Maybe not in the next five, but I would say the next ten. The NBA is so big. The international game is so good. There's enough talent, even though it's not going to be great talent. There's enough talent to come in and fill out more NBA rosters, and there's certainly the market for it, and that's the advantage uh, for the NBA, and that's why they're going to want to continue to do it. Yeah. I don't think that that was actually a particularly hard thing for the Jazz. You know, if, if that were to happen this offseason, I don't know that the Jazz are, are crying a lot. No. You you may regret losing Tabo Cephalosha or Jonas Jerebko over Dante Exum in the long run if Jerebko ends up playing for another four years in the NBA and Exum doesn't, which there's potential for that. Yeah, but you only signed him for two years anyway, right? right. Like, he, he was a mercenary right. anyway. Right. It, it, it's not this—the Jazz aren't in a spot where they're so young and rebuilding that they don't know what they have yet. You clearly have a nice top five— and then probably the next three or four, and then the bottom four guys where you're not worried about Neto, you're not worried about uh, some of these guys on the end of the bench. Burke certainly is a contract you'd be happy to get get out from underneath. Yeah, it's really Dante Exum and Tony Bradley are the two young guys that the Jazz just don't really know what are yet. And obviously they don't know what Donovan Mitchell is in like an NBA game, but he, he was so good and he's a high enough draft pick that there's just a no-brainer keep. But you don't lose sleep over keeping Exum and Bradley around. No. The way I think the Jazz probably really debated on what to do with Borchard or Sasha Pavlovich. And they made the wrong choice, but yeah, it's not a like Sasha Pavlovic was a bad NBA player, but he was an NBA player, right? And Borcher just was not, right? And Pavlovic ended up, did I mean, I don't know if he ever got traded for anything. He played for a decade. He did play for a decade, oh three to twenty thirteen. Okay. Sasha, that's a good. That's a lot good of money. How much money did you make? You got the basketball reference. Just scroll down to the, there to Let's the bottom. See. Here we go, Pavlovic. By the way, uh, basketball reference. Ninety four percent of users of basketballreference.com are male. Okay. That's just a fun fact. Good for women. <laughs> Good for the women who, <laughs> who aren't constantly looking Made up stats. Made $19.6 million. I go to basketball reference every single day. Yeah. I'm not bragging about it. That's just how <laughs> stupid I am. I do. I go I go and look up a draft or a player and what they make or what they shot. I mean, I, I every single day I go to basketball reference. And it's free. Yeah. That's an right, unbelievable. It's, it's a great website. I'm definitely pro basketball reference. $19 million and a 10-year NBA severance. That guy's going to make a ton of money out of the NBA in his life. And he's got insurance paid for for the rest of his life. Yeah. I, I would imagine that covers uh, in Europe as well, if that's where he decides to go and live. Yeah, and he, uh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, he, he gets the NBA pension, which is, which is great, An too. insane amount of money. It's the yeah. best pension. And they've got the best 401k. I think they match something like The NBA like a, player union has it going on. Yep. Like, they are the best player union in professional right. A huge margin. Now, they've got the most talented players and the smallest number of players. That's very helpful. Yes. And they also make and a ton of money. And the most brand-recognizable players. Right. But they've and they've also done a, a lot of good to protect the the former players, like all the insurance stuff that they're doing now. Yeah, uh, smart. And they, I think the NBA matches 125 percent or something of your 401k. Not like 25 percent. I think it's 125 percent. Huh. So if you put away your money, the NBA says, "Great, you will double your money." Huh? I could be wrong about that, but I think I read that they have a crazy 401k. So make just make the NBA, and you'll be fine. That's what's crazy about guys like Giannis or people you know who are legitimately not spending any of their money, still doing the the Honda Accord sort of thing, and then putting it all away in four hundred one k's or sending it home or whatever. Trey Burke, I think he lived off five thousand dollars a month. Really? I think I that was his big thing. I didn't know that. 
so he did some things well that not a lot of people like about Treyarch, but he was smart with his money, which is which good because he's not going to make it. a lot in his career. All right, when we come back, <laughs> uh, we are going to look around the NBA. Some uh, more rumors coming out. Carmelo Anthony, is he going to end up on the move? And then uh, the NBA actually lost a, a big name recently. We'll tell you who that is. Coming up next, I'm Ben Anderson. He's Andy Larson. It's the Salt City Hoof Show, ESPN 700. We're scanning the league from coast to coast. This is Around the NBA on Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. And as we've started to get older, we've started looking at our retirement. This is not an <laughs> ad. Uh, no, we no. actually looked at the NBA's 401k because we were talking about it and we were both blown away. We're on page 77 of the 500-page yep. NBA collective bargaining agreement. And uh, basically, the, the NBA's 401k benefits are very, very good. Uh they match 140% of your 401k contributions. Which has to be up to a certain percentage. I mean, uh, up, to, up to a certain a amount. certain number. Like Gordon Hayward can't put in fifty million dollars into his four hundred one k next year and right. make a hundred, you know, whatever it is, one hundred forty million dollars, yeah. whatever it would be, <laughs> one hundred twenty million dollars. You're the math guy. Uh, yeah, th- I'm sure they cut it off, and it's probably actually a decently low cut off. Yeah, like a hundred thousand dollars or less. I looked at it the may NFL, actually be federal. So I have no idea. 000. Okay, but yeah, they they have to cut it off at some point because the NBA can't just give you two and a half times the money you've made, but they can take that money back and invest it and, and find ways to make good use of it. And the NBA is making money hand over foot now, finally, to match up with the NFL. It's great. The NFL has a horrible 401k, but it's good. Yeah, you should take care of your players, and they do, and the NBA does that very well. Uh, we were This is around the NBA, uh, talking about some of the big news in the league, and the, the big rumor that still circulates and has kind of caught a little bit of fire again today is Carmelo still in talks to get traded to the Rockets. That is the only team he will waive there's no trade clause for. He said he wouldn't do it to join Boogie Cousins and Anthony Davis in New Orleans, so he really is trying to pigeonhole himself into one spot. Yeah, and, I mean, it, it really does seem like this deal is going to get done. Adrian Wojnarowski of, of ESPN reported it today. Uh, and, like I say, I do think it'll make Houston better. I do think Carmelo Anthony is still, like, a net positive kind of player. He makes a ton of money, and it would also behoove the Knicks to get rid of him. Um, and, you know, the Rockets are not going to have to give up a lot and, and may even have to take an asset back in order to kind of take on Melo's contract. But huh. um, I, I think it, it's going to be really interesting to see what he's worth. Um, but it helps the Houston Rockets. He will he will get the Knicks a more similar package to what the Bulls got and probably less than what the Bulls got for Jimmy Butler. No. And what the pay- you think you don't you think he'll get more? I think it gets way less. Yeah. Way, right, way less. Right. And those guys were already being sold for fifty cents on the dollar. You yeah. know, Paul George got Victor Oladipo is not a great player. He's an okay player, but he no. makes way too much money. For what he's paid, he's not a good player. Say what you will about Demonis Sabonis. We'll see what he ever turns into. But you got almost nothing in return for Paul George. You got right. very little in return for Jimmy Butler. That's what the Knicks are going to be getting back. They are not going to be getting this great return. The way I think the Cavs should still get a pretty decent return for Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to figure out what it would be. I think you're you're looking at uh, a mid-level piece, maybe. I mean, yeah. Someone like an Oladipo, you know, honestly, maybe like the Cousins trade and you get a decentish prospect back like a Buddy Heald. If you get a young player back, that'd be awesome. Do the Rockets have any of those that like they were willing? I don't think they'll move Clint Capella, but that would no. be the piece I'm really interested in. But yeah, because I think I'd love to center. put him next to Chris Tapps. I think you could put him next to Chris Tapps. Oh, and just 
Yeah, for the Knicks, you're good. Oh, yeah, yeah. For the Rockets. You go and you find whatever second-tier player who's not signed anywhere yet. And try and I would probably him. rather have Clint Capella than Carmelo Anthony. Okay, and for that team. These numbers on Houston are weird. You look at Capella's numbers last year, and he's got these crazy stats. And just remember that they're playing for Mike D'Antoni, and every stat is going to be multiplied by 25%. Who he did just Houston? does this to your numbers. I was going to say, who did Houston just draft? But they traded away their draft pick for, for Lou Williams, right? So Yep, to the Lakers. Uh that ended up being Kyle Kuzma? No, that, that was, was the, the Nets Kyle pick. Kuzma was the Nets pick. So uh, Josh Hart, the kid from uh, Villanova, right? Could be. Uh, they still got, I mean, they got P.J. Tucker, I guess. Do you, I mean, yeah, it's they don't have any young players. So there's <laughs> not a lot there. Wonawaku, do some underhand free throw game. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, there's there's just not a lot. Then that's the problem. That, that's why there has been this hurdle. That's why they haven't been able to move Melo yet, is they need to get that third team involved to take Ryan Anderson and then right. they get Carmelo, and then that third team sends something to the Knicks that's of value. Are you at all interested if you're the Jazz and Ryan Anderson? How much? Well, how long is this contract? He makes, he's got $19.5 million this year and, and about the same moving forward, $20.21 million for the next three years. That's too much. That's too many years. Yeah. Because uh, I like the idea that the Jazz have an option this upcoming offseason, 2018, to go out and sign a near-max player. And if not, I mean, you can go and the Jazz could throw a lot of money at Avery Bradley if they wanted to this offseason. If they thought Avery Bradley was going to be a guy and Donovan Mitchell had really good value doing something else or playing point guard, and you could have those guys as your wings, you're crazy. I mean, that's a crazy defensive team. You're super yeah. athletic. You're fun to watch. You're long. You're getting out in transition a lot. And the Jazz can pay Avery Bradley more than most teams can pay him. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if I, I think Detroit intends to keep him, but they may not be able to. He may not want to play in Detroit. He may not want to play in Detroit. A lot of people don't want to play in Detroit. Uh, Although they're playing the move. in downtown Detroit now, which I think helps. Uh, there's talks about potentially acquiring Kyrie Irving in Detroit as well. Yeah. I don't know if that would work, but I would imagine that Avery Bradley would have to be in that deal when he becomes tradable again. James Harden is going to make $43.8 million in 2021-22. I wonder if the amount of money that he's owed plus the money that uh, Carmelo will be owed, even though it's, it's only two years, right? I think Melo has left on his yeah. deal. If that would hurt the ability to sell that team and if that would stop them from trying to to acquire Carmelo if they get to that point. I don't think so. I, I don't I think so. It's think Houston. You should still be able to get $1.5 billion for a team in that city. They still make a ton of money on that China pipeline, too. Yep. Zhu Chi. Yeah. Zhou Chi. Zhou Chi. I think it's Joe. Okay. I could I be wrong. I don't know. I'm not, I don't speak Chinese. Uh... Danny Danny Crawford lost a very good referee in Danny Crawford uh, and kind of a good character. Yeah, Danny Crawford was the best referee in the league. Um, You talk to, I I think most people agree on that. I certainly think so. Uh, And it's it's a shame because he really was the 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 foremost game manager and and was just solid in making the right calls too. Um, He will be missed. And you lost Joey Crawford a couple years ago. Those yeah. are two good referees that you've lost in the last two years. I know Joey Crawford's a little more personality, but uh, and that, I think Joey team... Crawford had like declined, honestly. Sure, from, like a call. Sure, point of view. he was not his. He was not the top of the game, but he was top half. We may have seen Danny Crawford still at his peak, right? Yeah. Like he he went out with with a bang. Maybe I don't know if bang is the right way to do it when you when you're a referee and you want to be as silent as possible. Uh, but only sixty three years old. Could have done the Dick Bavetta thing and coached <laughs> and, and uh, rep forever. for another 20 years if he wanted to. Those guys make really good money. He'll be in the Hall of Fame, though. Yeah. Danny Crawford. Uh, he was making a lot of money and decided to turn around. Good for him. At 63, can go and do whatever. Hang out with his kids or his grandkids or whatever he yep. wants to do now. It's lovely. It's a good life. Um, 
Zach Lowe had a piece of news okay. in his last article about how the NBA is considering banning draft swap options and sandwiches between traded picks. So this is really the Billy King rule where he traded two picks away in, in alternate years like you're you're allowed right. to do under the uh, – who is the terrible Cleveland donor that this rule is named after? The Ted Stepien rule. Yeah. Uh, and he traded the swap option, which gave up the number one pick this year. Right. Um, the NBA is considering banning that. It's probably good. Probably good. Keep bad teams with owners that are just put, putting pressure on uh, their general manager to win quickly from blowing up a roster forever. Yep. Big thanks to Brittany Colindris producing for us today. He's Andy Larson. Follow him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700.